0: All right, Christian, thank you for that. And standing in for Bill Priestley today for today's Roundtable Talk. We're talking a little bit about what's going on in the Southwest Desert and why it is such a hot-button space for all types of innovation. We've got Noy Mahoney joining us with us right now. He's our Borderlands reporter. We're also hopefully going to grab some input from the folks down at Arizona State University as well. Noy, thank you for being here and excited to to tuck into this a little bit with you. Thanks
1: for having me.
0: So obviously we know that the Southwest has been this kind of big time destination for folks now in both the autonomous vehicle space, obviously with the cross border freight picking up, things are going really, really well. We're starting to see now this gentle expansion kind of westward, Starting off in Texas. Obviously we know Tesla has their Gigafactory there slowly starting to build west, now with the Phoenix-Mesa area becoming a pretty big hotbed. Let's talk a little bit about the timeline and starting to see some of these developments and how they've progressed really from Texas westward.
1: Yeah, you know, um, in the past year or so, Arizona and Texas, as you mentioned, have scored some, I guess you could say, big victories in terms of attracting, you know, major companies, uh, high-tech companies. Uh, In the case of... uh, Arizona, some of their the biggest uh, victories they've had lately are um, LG Energy Solution, which is building a 5.5 billion electric vehicle battery plant uh, near Phoenix, and also uh, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, which is building uh, a $40 billion plant uh, to manufacture semiconductor chips. Uh, also, I think it's near the Phoenix area. So those are really uh, big time investments, and Arizona has already, and uh, over the past few years, attracted several uh, electric vehicle manufacturing companies. I think Lucid, and uh, I can't think of the other one, but you know, several EV factories are also in the area, as well as EV uh, supplier, you know, part suppliers. So it's really becoming a hub of high tech manufacturing.
0: And with that, we know that not only is there a kind of big pool of labor, especially coming out of the Phoenix Mesa market. But there's also this really great involvement and investment from both local and state governments. Arizona has some of the least restrictive state regulations on what it looks like for bringing in high-tech investment. They also have really existing high-tech investment there as well, specifically in the aerospace and defense industries. So when you're talking about folks in the labor market who are maybe looking to make that jump from like aerospace and defense technology manufacturing into this really great world Of semiconductors and autonomous vehicles and electric vehicles the talent pool is there right are we starting to see our industry maybe not necessarily poach but really attract some of this talent who has been in the area who's been established and who knows that they do good work
1: yeah absolutely you know uh in the case of arizona i think companies such as uh raytheon honeywell you know um the defense uh sector has been in that area for for decades so there's uh already a, a built in educated workforce, and you know now what we're seeing is these newer companies you know samsung uh LG Energy solutions taking uh advantage of that workforce so to speak you know um tapping into it to because there's already such a a, a lot of available a lot of available people for these jobs uh in these factories and you know what we're gonna see going forward i'm, I'm sure is um I think in the case of like LG Energy Solutions and uh, Taiwan Semiconductor Company, you know, these factories need thousands of uh, workers. And so, you know, that available workforce is already there in um, Arizona. And, you know, I think you'll start to see, um, you know, more, not just Arizona and Texas, but hopefully, you know, also as well as, uh, you know, New Mexico and some of these other locations that really also have a lot of available land. Um, you know, workforce and, you know, favorable business climates.
0: So when we're talking about the delineations in the workforce, obviously, we are going to need some really high skilled, highly technical workers for the actual production of these things. But are we talking about a big difference in the number of physical workers who are needed to maybe work in these factories versus more on kind of like the corporate and the development side? And is there a decent amount of labor balance to fulfill both of those roles, do you think?
1: that's a great question i know in the case of i think taiwan semiconductor company and some of these other high-tech firms they're also going to be factories uh, but there's also going to be a large research and development component you know uh, to these um, new businesses that are moving there so they're going to need you know researchers um you know scientists as well as uh, you know workers to build the semiconductor chips and electric vehicles so it's really attracting you know very skilled workers, as well as a lot of scientists and you know, uh, people who are gonna bring a lot of brain power to the area, so to speak.
0: So let's touch a little bit on different modes of transport that we see running through there. Obviously, we know that that I-10 corridor running really from El Paso out through Southern New Mexico, through Las Cruces, Deming, into the Tucson area, up to Phoenix, and then of course, out towards the LA, Long Beach area. That's been kind of this hotbed for autonomous trucking. It's very flat. There is not a whole lot of turns in the road there. You've got very kind of fixed weather conditions, which has been the perfect spot for testing grounds. Also, starting to see some companies starting to look at using that to launch their first commercial routes. Do you think that this is kind of setting up for like the perfect situation to see these autonomous companies going all in on building their commercial routes there, knowing that we also see the semiconductors, the electric vehicles, all of that tech infrastructure starting to build as well?
1: Yeah, you know, as you mentioned, all of the advantages that Texas, Arizona, these the Southwest has is sort of this hot climate. You know, you don't have to worry about these big changes in weather patterns, not usually anyway. Um, there's uh, good um, transportation infrastructure in these locations already. You know, you have, you know, interstate highways, you have rail. Um, so there's everything you need sort of there as well as as you we talked about earlier favorable business climate you know in texas arizona you know these southwestern states they're doing uh, everything they can to attract um these businesses high-tech businesses as well as their proximity to mexico that's also a big attractor for a lot of these companies because a lot of uh you know semiconductor chips electric vehicles a lot of their suppliers are are companies in mexico So that proximity to Mexico also plays a big part in their supply chain.
0: That rail component is interesting to look at because we know that Union Pacific and BNSF really kind of have that majority of control there. But we also just saw CPKC decide to start, okay, they're starting cross-border service into Laredo, which where a lot of that east-west traffic connects down to to get there to the Mexican border. Do you think that we eventually see maybe companies like CPKC looking at east-west routes themselves spurring off of that now cross-border freight that they've established, and maybe even looking at bringing some of their services into the Arizona area?
1: Yeah, that's interesting I, yesterday i was talking to somebody from uber freight just about this very subject you know could we see expanded service from you know union Pacific and the new uh C- cp i keep stumbling over their new acronym cp you know the new cp company but i believe we could eventually see them going after more as you mentioned east west um you know routes uh because you know, that's, that's where the growth is, uh, you know, for these factories. We see it spreading sort of east-west across the United States, you know, even, you know, towards the east coast, towards, you know, states like Tennessee. Um, so, so I think, it you know, it would be very advantageous for those, for those rail companies to look at more routes that can tap into these, you know, new manufacturing hubs that are spreading out across the United States.
0: And then Eric Kulish, our air cargo editor, just dropped an article, I believe it was yesterday afternoon, talking about the influx of air cargo and how they're able to capitalize on this burgeoning industry as well. Obviously, Phoenix Sky Harbor is the main airport in that area, which is pretty much passenger service, pretty much all passenger service. But you've got two companies, now you've got cargo Lux and Atlas Air, starting to do some business in the Phoenix Gateway Mesa Airport, which is a smaller entity, they do a lot of cargo, they do some private flying there as well. How big of an opportunity is this to see two, honestly, really major freight forwarders get into this business and start to bring some of that there, especially as you're looking at Atlas Air running flights from Hong Kong and Taipei, the heart of Asian semiconductor manufacturing, into Arizona, into the space where you've got now the Taiwan Semiconductor Facility going up?
1: Oh, that would be huge. Um, You know, I think Phoenix... um, they have a, a great opportunity, you know, in terms of expanding their air cargo service. Um, you know, as we know, Dallas-Fort Worth is a really big, you know, cargo hub, air cargo hub. But Phoenix, uh, to me, has a great opportunity to really tap into more air cargo, just as were some of the things we've been talking about, you know, semiconductor chips, um, electric vehicles, parts. Um, it's all, it's all going to be needed in that area. So the more modes of freight transportation that the state of Arizona, Phoenix can tap into, you know, air, rail, uh, truck transportation, the more advantageous it's going to be for them.
0: And they made a great point in that article as well, bypassing the really busy LAX airport and getting kind of that out of the way so that way they can go straight into Phoenix. And then, as we mentioned, have all of those spurs, whether that's over the road or you're talking about intermodal or even continuing paths on outwards. Noy, thank you for joining us this morning. Of course, we can catch your content through Borderlands and other things. What are you working on right now?
1: Um, I'm working on a a strange story. Not a strange story, but the Mexican government just put out a press release asking or urging Texas to stop their state um, enhanced border inspections because the Mexican government says it's backing up trucks too much. So I'm working on a story about that today.
0: We talked about that last week. Some places, 26 hours of delays with those extra inspections. Crazy. (laughs) All right, Noya, thank Thank you for joining us. We'll hear from you soon. Have a great rest of your day.
1: Thank you so much. You too.
0: We're going to hand things back over to Tony and Donnie. They're here for one final carrier update on your Tuesday morning.